Today's uh, sermon scripture is from Luke 8, verses 35 through 39. It's found in your New Testament, uh, page 68. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to see Jesus, they found the man of whom the demons were, had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by the demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding county of Gerizians asked Jesus to leave, leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. How many people know the old song, I have decided to follow Jesus? I have decided to follow Jesus. And at the end, no turning back, no turning back. Well, strangely, I've got a story for you in which someone decided to follow Jesus and Jesus turned him back. And that's a little weird. It's an interesting premise. Metaphorically, he doesn't push him away. But then here's a story of saying, Jesus, take me with you. And Jesus saying, no. And that's an unusual story. That's not the typical one that we hear. Return to your home, Jesus tells him, and declare how much God has done for you. We say we want to follow God. We want to follow him wherever he leads us, but sometimes we're not quite ready to follow God where God actually sends us, to share our stories even when it's hard, even when it's challenging. Because I think sometimes we're lulled into we want a lazy boy kind of faith, kick the recliner chair up, like, ooh, this is a nice comfy time with God. And sometimes God sends us into difficult challenging, uh, tough spaces. And that's where we're called to be. And so we have to struggle with, do we actually want to follow Jesus wherever he might send us? And I think part of that challenge is that God calls us to faithfully share our experiences. And not everybody likes sharing. Sometimes people like to be quiet. Um, There's There's always this um, thing in pop culture where there's these lists that sometimes they list public speaking at the top of what people are most afraid of. Uh, Every time I talk about talking, I come back to those studies and it's a little bit convoluted. But there is something real in which we all are afraid of talking sometimes and all afraid of sharing things about ourselves. And yet we have a faith that calls us to share whether that's in the Great Commission of go make disciples and teach them, whether that's just the examples we have in the Gospels or in Acts of the disciples or Paul, sharing about their own stories, sharing about how their story interacts with the divine story, we are called to share our faith and our transformation. But sometimes we want to hide from who we used to be, and we don't necessarily want to share those stories with others. And so I want to tell you a story. I'm going to call this guy Gary. 
Because if you've read through this passage um, or it's an enti- in its entirety, you keep saying about the man from the, from the region of the Gerasenes or the man who was possessed from the region of the Gerasenes. And that's going to get old if I say that throughout a whole sermon. So I'm calling him Gary. So I want to talk about Gary's story. He's living among the tombs when we first meet Gary. Luke says, for a long time he had worn no clothes, and he didn't live in a house but in the tombs. Now we don't know what his reason was for living near these tombs. Did he have an affinity with death? He's just attracted to death and he wants to be around it in some sort of taboo interests. Uh, Is he grieving over loved ones? Has someone died and he can't leave the side of the tomb? Is there mental health challenges? You know, why on earth is he living at the tomb? And I actually love when stories don't always give you all of the answers because you can speak into any of those answers. Because maybe you've experienced life living by the tombs. Have you had that experience where just things were in the pit of life, where life and hope were not visible, where you were in the dark place of life? For me, uh, you know, it wasn't when my dad passed, but it was like high school years. When I'm starting to process that my dad had passed and what life had become and what family life had become, and you start realizing that what is doesn't have to be the way that it is. And why did I get this route? Why did I get this situation and not another situation? And when depression takes hold, it's heavy. It's, it's really hard to get out from underneath it. Maybe your tomb was a loss of a job, loss of a home, loss of whatever life you dreamed of. But I think we can actually appreciate what it is to live by the tomb. And Gary's life was a little bleak because everyone in his life tried to get involved, but no one was able to help him. And they tried to restrain him. In the text, it talks about, uh, before the passage that we read, it said, no one could restrain him anymore. Anymore. They had used to restrain him. They couldn't even restrain him with a chain, for he had been uh, restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. And so Gary had to have felt helpless, lost in the pain of the tombs, with no way of seeing a way out of it. And while everyone had tried to restrain Gary, Jesus comes in the story and does something different. He liberates him instead of restraining him. Instead of finding a new cell, he opens him up. And this story gets visualized in a way that really makes a lot of sense to its Jewish audience. Uh, It's a story about, um, they're in a land that's not Jewish, they're in a Gentile territory. They're in an area that they're used to calling unclean, it's a guy that's living among tombs. And the story of the oppression that he's experiencing gets named as legion and as these demonic forces. And the story lets you see what it is to have these oppressive forces. They transfer from him into pigs, which, sorry pigs, but in their culture they thought of you as unclean. 
But that's the kind of people they want to inhabit, and that story is to the unclean thing. And what's their goal and their aim in the world? It's destruction, and so they run off the cliff to their death. So these, these forces of oppression move from him to something else that take their, their ultimate goal, destruction. And in the aftermath, Gary's just sitting there, clothed in his right mind, a new person, transformed. And I don't want us to pass this moment in the story, because it's easy to get straight into the reactions. But have you ever felt that beautiful release? Because if you were living in a tomb at some point, the moment where you feel release from that is a beautiful thing. Freedom from a toxic relationship, freedom from a toxic work environment, freedom from an addiction, whatever it is. If you haven't had that experience, if you're still living in the tombs, that's the most important message, is that release is possible, uh, that God is a God of liberation, and that that's really our whole goal as a church, as a faith community, is to be about liberation, about freeing people from captivity, however it is lived and experienced for them. But the story doesn't end just in that high moment. I'm free. It deals with the aftermath, in which probably some townspeople are a little frustrated they lost all their property when their pigs ran off. Uh, You can imagine how much money that person lost when your whole herd of pigs run off the cliff. The crowd doesn't know what to do with Jesus, and they don't know what to do with Gary, because they recognize him, but they don't recognize him. And so, on that spiritual high, that spiritual mountaintop experience, Gary's like, Jesus, take me with you. Because if you have that moment, you're like, I just only want that moment. I don't want to let go of it. I need to stay in that moment. But Jesus calls him into a new moment, calls him into what he is... um, made to be to the mission field, um, and he's called to tell his story. He says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. You're not the same. Share that story. And so Gary's called to tell about God's transformative power in his life, and I want to know if you know what your story is, because Jesus calls Gary, go, go, go tell your story. And I think God is calling all of us to tell our story, but sometimes we don't know what story that is. Maybe you haven't spent time to think about how God has been at work in your life, who you are because of God, what you might be. What is that story that you need to share and that we need you to share because it's valuable? And I think if you're looking for the easy, an easy answer, how do I share my story? Here's a three-part story. Before God, I was. Before God, I was. Because of God, I am. And with God's help, I will. If you can say something to those three sentences, you can say something about how God has done something in your life, how you are different, and how you're not yet what you want to be, but how you're a part of something that God is calling you into. And that's not complicated. You could talk to somebody about that in an elevator, 
I, I would love an opportunity where we could talk to somebody in, in this church in an elevator. <laughs> but that in a short ride, you say, you know, here's who I was. I was a kid who was alone, who felt isolated, who felt empty and broken. But because of God, I know I'm loved. I know God grieves with me. God is with me even when I feel alone. And that one day I will be a part of a community that helps reach out to outcasts, reach out to those who, who don't have a home, those who feel broken and empty, and be a part of something bigger. And just like that, you're like, okay, I get a sense of you. Tell me more. Because we all have a, sh- a story to share. We all have a calling to share that story. No matter what your faith journey looks like, it's a story worth sharing. Uh, a few years back, my wife and I, I, I mentioned earlier that my wife's best friend's flying into town this, this week. Well, a few years ago, we went to visit her and her husband, and um, we went with them up to Seattle to a special event called Vlogger Fair. Vlogger Fair is a festival around vlogging, which is basically daily journaling on video. Uh, It's telling your story, taking a camera with you throughout the day, showing things from your life and everyday experiences. And there's a whole genre of vlogs on, if you go to YouTube or some video sites, where you can see people's everyday life on video. And if you can imagine, if you get a room of 100 or 200 people who video record their day, and they're all in the room trying to video record their day, it's a little bit uh, humorous. Because usually you don't see people videoing their day, now you've got a room of them. And so it's a little bit fun, a little bit interesting. Um, but in the midst of that, the organizer from the conference came out and was sharing about the fact that you don't know how much your story might matter to someone. You're going through something that somebody else is going through. And just seeing a little glimpse into how you handle that, how you move through the day, how you are reaching for some goal can actually make a huge difference in somebody who feels alone. And then in a world where your physical friends might, you might feel alienated from, that at least you could find a virtual friend and see their life and what they're going through. And if that's true of just uh, vlogging, how much more true is that also of us in our faith journeys, that uh, your story, what God is doing in your life matters. You might not think it sounds that special or important, but you don't know what somebody else is going through and what they might need to hear in that moment. And so, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, we have a movie night coming up. And if you go to any store that's got movies, there's different displays where you can buy your movie. Sometimes there's that like end of the aisle display that stands out, highlighting might have graphics above it. Like this story matters. You wanna buy this story. And then have you been at Walmart and you got the little like metal little bargain bins? All the movies are just haphazardly thrown in. Who cares, you know? Maybe you got three bucks, five bucks for it. Where do you put your story on the shelf? Do you realize that your story has value? That somebody actually might want to hear that story? Or you just throw it in a bargain bin and say, "Uh, who, who, who would care to hear about my story? God calls us to share our stories, even in the most unwelcoming of places. I feel for Gary in our story. 
Um, and it's not alone in this chapter in Luke. Uh, earlier in this chapter in the Gospel of Luke is the parable of the sower. The sower is sowing seed everywhere. It sounds crazy. Why are you sowing on a path? What on earth is going to grow on a path? Why are you sowing among thorns? It's not going to grow among thorns. On the good soil, the bad soil, just sowing. And leaving the results to be whatever they'll be. And so when we get to this end of the chapter and we're reading Gary's story, you don't know how Gary's story is going to pan out. Who's going to listen to him? Who's going to be afraid of him still? He's just got to share that story. And the sad thing is many people won't hear that story because they already judged him. They judged him by his cover and they just won't listen. How do you get past all those previous experiences? We know who you were. Why would I listen to you? There's a YouTube series uh, called Share My Story. And it's like a blind date little show where two random people get placed in front of each other. They have their eyes closed. They walk out. They sit in chairs in front of each other. And then they open their eyes and they have to circle. I would date you. I would not date you. They don't share that yet. But on first look, make that assumption. They turn the page and they go through a series of fill in the blanks. It says, your name is blank. And just by looking at you, I have to say what I would guess your name would be. And all of the assumptions wound up in that. Gets worse, you are blank years old. That's a tough one. Uh, Guess a little bit lower. For work, you are a blank. Your cultural ethnic background is blank. And so without having talked to this person, you're trying to fill in their story. And then you get those answers and you go deeper. Uh, their fears or thoughts about relationships and marriage and, and uh, all sorts of things. But just by looking at someone, can you fill in my story? And while that's kind of a caricature of everyday life, the truth is we do that ourselves. When you walk down the street and you react differently based on who's walking down that street with you. When you see somebody, you want to just go, hi. If you see somebody, do you start uh, crossing the street and walking on the other side? Do you start making sure you got your wallet or your keys? Or, or do you even notice them? It's just someone you just walk by. Because we're all judging each other's stories, whether we like it or not. It happens in a quick flash. And those caricatures of people exist until we actually get to know each other, until we actually get to share our stories to break down those stereotypes, to break down those caricatures, and to learn what God is doing in each other's lives. So if we make those judgments of others, imagine how many people have made those judgments of ourselves. So your story matters, in part, because other people are filling in your story one way or the other. And people especially are probably filling in that story in today's world about, oh, you go to church? Let me guess your story. And people need to hear the real stories of each of us that are here. So we have some opportunities. Because I think we're called to share our stories, and I think your stories matter. 
And one of my favorite things as, as pastor is hearing your stories. Uh, I, I love that I, I get to hear little bits of, of where God has been at work in each of your lives. I say, oh, have you met this person? You know, they were on that same journey. You, you, you might actually really love to get to know what God's doing in their life. And we've got some opportunities to share stories. Um, we've got book groups, Sunday school classes, times where you're around other people where you can just share a little bit about what's going on in your life, what to pray for. We've got movie nights in which we're watching a story and caring about a story and then speaking into a story and hearing how our stories react and relate or don't relate to the stories that we watch. If you go with us to the pantry on Saturday, if you bring a guest with you, if someone else is like, hey, would you just help me feed some people? And after that's over and you go get lunch and you say, hey, why on earth do I give up a Saturday morning to serve? Why is that a part of my life? What is God doing in my life that that matters to me? If you've got a, you know, the men's breakfast, we've got a lot of opportunities. We've got a time right after the service in which there's donuts and juice and coffee and you can hear a little glimpse of someone's life. But every day, we have the opportunity to elevate conversations. Um, earlier, we sang, I love to tell the story. And, and part of that, I love to tell the old, old story. And part of the question for us is, do we actually love to tell the story? And do we love to even tell the ongoing story, the story that is still going on in today's world, in my life and in your life? And so I'm going to, to leave us with a charge. There's seven days in a week. Uh, how about, can we just share our stories with three people this week? You could tell three people in one day. You can spread it out. But just have a conversation about your story and see where that conversation leads. Because God is in the moving of those stories and we can all use getting past what's the weather doing stories into life-giving stories that matter. Not only will we have a chance to impact that other person, but I think you'll learn more about yourself as you start to share your story. And I hope you know that your story matters to God and that your story matters to us and we need you to share it with us. So instead of hiding those past tombs, would you join me in celebrating our empty tombs this week in the world? Would you join me in prayer? Lord, each of us are here in different ways. Lord, we've, we've come here from different journeys and we're all gathered in one place. And Lord, I ask that the story of our church uh, would be a story of empty tombs, and that we would know how to celebrate what, what you are doing in our lives and that we would remember to celebrate you in the joys and not just cry out and only the pain. But Lord, for whoever is here in pain, we ask that you would liberate them, that you would free them from whatever oppresses them, whatever toxicity is in their life, and that they might go home renewed and restored and go to share that story with the world. It's in your most precious name that I pray. Amen.